Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's a lot of end friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be A-OK. everyone. New episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday, and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today. When he's at the gym listening to Little Known Facts and the theme music comes on, this is what happens. Someone to say everything's okay. Welcome Christopher Henke. A-okay. everyone. Today, my guest is the actor Christopher Henke. On Broadway, Christopher has starred in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, Rent, Crybaby, and In My Life. His other theater credits include The Perfect Arrangement, The Normal Heart, and Hair in the Public Theater's Shakespeare in the Park production. And he won rave reviews for his role in Buyer and Seller. On television, he plays Devin on the Bravo comedy Odd Mom Out. Other TV credits include Devious Maids, Three Rivers, Big Love, Nashville, Major Crimes, The Client List, and Brothers and Sisters. He teaches master classes all around the country in musical theater and is a sought-after audition coach. He is very talented and very handsome. Welcome, Christopher Henke. Thank you, Alana. Cannot believe you're here. I feel like we've done this for 10 years. Yes. Just without microphones. Yes. And that is very sad. <laughs> that we do not have recordings <laughs> of our jokes. Because I don't know what anybody else thinks, but I think we consider ourselves two of the funniest people on the planet when we're together. <laughs> yeah. We like to think of ourselves as um, heightening each other's hilariousness. And now all we can do is disappoint listeners. So I like to figure out, like, what is the first that each guest brings into my podcast booth. And right. the thing that is a first on Little Known Facts is I believe that you are the first person to come on who actually was accepted into medical school and deferred wow. in order to become an actor. So let's just start with what's wrong with you. 
What's I wrong will, with you? I will never forget my father. When I, I got accepted to medical school, I decided to defer. I had to make that phone call, and I said, you know, I am not going to go to medical school just yet. I am going to move to New York and be an actor. Right. And he, there was a beat, and then he said, I spent $300,000 on your education so that you could become a waiter. That's right. And that was his line. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I guess. That's not exactly <laughs> how I've thought of it. So we, like I said to him, I was like, look, give me a year, you know, that let me move to New York and let me just see if nothing happens in a year. I can just, I, because I've deferred my matriculation. Right. Or it's my not admins. going away. Exactly. They'll hold your spot. So they held my spot. And I think three months into, maybe even less into New York, I got my, I got a your big first bro- a big acting Broadway. job in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> no, in a restaurant. <laughs> You made three hundred thousand dollars, but during my lunch shift. <laughs> no brunch. Okay. You really, really want to do brunch? Well, unlimited mimosas, right? Uh, Wait, no. Within three months, you had you were I, on I Broadway. I booked a national. Well, I booked a Broadway national tour. You know, a professional equity production in a leading role. Actually, and that show was Fame, the musical. Because you wanted to live forever. Why? Clearly, have you seen my face? I'm doing a good job. I'm, I am I'm so injecting sad <laughs> vampire that this is radio. serum. <laughs> if there was ever a loss for the public, it's the fact that this oh is God. not live streamed. But yes, it's true. No, 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 I'm joking. I have a sty right now. So You do? I wasn't going to say anything, but you really do. I and know. I feel like we hugged and kissed, and now my no, eye feels really no, itchy. No, it's not contagious because a sty is not contagious. And I'm shooting my television show right now, so I thought when I go on set, I'm going to ask the camera to just do all from one side. Yes. They could just write in, like, his character has a really stiff neck, and for the entire episode, he just has to be yeah. sort of, um, well, those that's the magic. If they can shoot people on television to not look pregnant, they can Take make it so your out. eye doesn't look pregnant. Yeah, exactly. I think they could totally do that. Yet we digress. Yeah. The medical point school. is, the point is, had you gone to medical school, you could probably have like removed this dye yourself. Myself, but Ex- you didn't. <laughs> you know, medicine was always a passion of mine. I love people, and and people who need people. And people, thank you, Barbara. And I sh- maybe should have done it. <laughs> yeah, let's talk I mean, about that. I could Any have regrets? a house. I mean, I think you think about having. I could have a house in Martha's Vineyard. You can't even afford. Come on, <laughs> you'd have to be like. A doctor and like, I don't but know. But if, if I was like, I think I was going to go into dermatology and maybe that's where you could make some money. Totally. Maybe. So that was an interest. You thought maybe dermatology? Dermatology or pediatrics. Those were my t- the two fields that interest me. So you took the MCATs? Yes. And I will never forget that in order to take the MCAT, you have to sign up by a certain time. And I think that I was doing a spring show and... I for- a musical, as they say in high school musical? Yeah, a musical, yeah. And I forgot about the application. And I remember finding a FedEx that was open, I think at the airport, that was open till 9 p.m. So I could FedEx my application to take the MCAT because it was, you know, by a certain time. I barely got it in. So this airport was in Arkansas? No, this was in Texas. In Texas. Yeah, because you- I went to school at Baylor University, which is in Texas. So I had to drive to Dallas, which was the big town, to find a FedEx near DFW to mail my application to get, you know, to sign up for the test. I just want people to know, like, FedEx is not a sponsor of this podcast. We're not talking about mm-hmm. FedEx or DHL with any hopes that either of them come on and sponsor the show. No, we're not. We it's do not. Just, it doesn't make any sense that FedEx or DHL or UPS would want to sponsor. No, no, they would not. But they would be welcome. We would love to include this story. Yeah. If they wanted. It would sound conversational and totally organic yeah. and not like a commercial at all. <laughs> 
everything's okay. No, everything. Let's do the harmony. One, two, three. Everything's okay. No. 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 So you got Crybaby. On Broadway. On Broadway. I did. So you come to New York. You get a national tour of fame. When you first came to New York, literally, like you're off the bus, like what happens? Did you know anyone? I flew in on American Airlines from Dallas, Texas, and I was wearing a cowboy hat. And I did a show with a girl that was a rockette, and she was, like, doing the show down south. But, you know, she lived in New York City, and she was a rockette. And so I had contacted her, and I was going to move in with her. And she had, like, a spare room to rent in Astoria. And I, you know, brought my duffel bag, and I was wearing my cowboy boots, and I had my cowboy hat. And I just flew to LaGuardia and just took a cab to... Astoria, and that was the end of it. Had you been to New York before? Yes, I. In college, uh, we took a trip. A theater trip. A mission trip. Oh. Because we want to save souls. Not Book of Mormon ish. No, I think just like Christian mission trip. So you grew up Christian. Yes. And did you go to Christian schools? Baylor University is the largest private Baptist university in the world. Funny that Alana Levine did not know that. <laughs> you would think. You're sending your kids there, are you? Fingers crossed if they only get in. So Baylor University in Texas Mm -hmm. is a Christian university that sends its students to New York on a mission. It wasn't that you send your kids to a mission. It wasn't like um, some religions that say you you have to go on a mission or you have to have a certain time. Which, because I saw Book of Mormon, I feel like I Uganda. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So this was more like I was in a, a, a performance group and over spring break, we took a trip to New York, and we had performance opportunities, but because we're a Christian university, I think maybe for funding and also for like to get the university to sponsor the trip. Like, And we'll also go to Rikers, which we did, and we'll do like a Bible study with the inmates. And you did that? Yeah, I remember that. Tell me about that. I remember I sat with a woman, and we held hands, and she asked me to pray for her, and I mean, I did, but like not in a condescending way. I don't want this to sound like mm, no, but it meant something to her, you know. And I'm not bless you, Jesus. You had a real moment. Yeah, I I remember that moment in particular. I don't remember much else about that. Um, But um, to go to Rikers, I feel like just you know, I mean, I do watch Orange Is the New Black, so I feel like I know a lot about the American prison system. system. Mm -hmm. Yes, (laughs) and women in particular. And you prayed with a woman, so I feel like I have an image of it. You have to, like, get to the prison. You have to get through security. It's like a whole thing, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you know, we got pat down. We had to go through, you know, security system. It's like, are you smuggling in cocaine? No, I'm not. And then what, like, do you remember well? Do you go into a visiting center? Like, what happens? Uh, we were, like, in, a in like, a gym, like a, like a basketball gym or, like, uh, some kind of, like, recreational gym where they had the kind of bleachers that you could, like, pull out yep. and they, like, fold in, fold down towards sure. the court. and. We, I think we sang a mini concert, like maybe we sang four or five songs and, um, it, all the girl, you know, all the women were just like, like they were so into it and they were cheering us on and they were like enjoying it. And then we could like break up into groups and, you know, if you wanted to pray with someone, great. And if you just wanted to talk it out, great. And it was like very like unconditional love, like we're all the same type of thing. That's amazing. I what wish... a beautiful experience. Have you been back? Either no. as an inmate or... <laughs> there was a moment a couple years ago I was like, I think I'm going to Rikers. <laughs> But, but I had a good lawyer, so. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Jesus was your lawyer. Jesus took the wheel. Yeah. I love that song. I'm really sorry, but I love that song. So do I. Okay. Yeah. Then I don't need to apologize. No, please. Hello. You're sitting across from the male Kristen Chenoweth. There you go. But not as talented. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, fair enough. But you both have little cute dogs, and so yeah. for that reason alone. So you come to New York. You go on the trip to Rikers. Do you see theater on yes, that Yes, I saw two shows that trip. I saw Les Mis, and I saw Crazy for You. Oh, both amazing. And I will never forget that I saw Les Mis, which was my first Broadway show, and I bought the CD, the double CD in the lobby for like, you know, $69. And I listened to it on the plane ride back to Dallas incessantly. And I thought in this moment, and this is the moment where I thought, oh, I think I could do this. And not that I thought that I was great, but I just thought it seemed like, oh, I can do that. I'm, I'm doing that now in college and I'm not as good as these people are, but I, I know with the right training and the right like chutzpah, I could like, I think I can make it happen. And then I studied abroad one year and I saw Les Mis again in London. And this was like my aha moment that, you know, like Oprah talks about. I remember... When you were on Oprah's show? Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Other than, like, the size of my studio, does everything feel the same? Yes. Okay. Totally. You're nailing it. Great. I thought, I, I saw Les Mis again, and I thought, one of the one of the guys that wasn't a lead role, but, like, one of the ensemble guys who has one of those, like, you know, Marius, what's wrong today? You look as if you've seen a ghost. One of those, like, little small parts. And this no guy- No small parts, Christopher. Yeah. Tell that to my agent <laughs> when he's like, you can't go in <laughs> That's for that. the name of my agency. Small parts. <laughs> small parts. <laughs> <laughs> Small parts agency. This is Alana. Just all like just one-liners. Just also like featured background that has like a oh like just a noise. Everyone is someone's child. You have to think of it that way. Whenever I listen to a soundtrack and there's the person exactly like you're describing, like la 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 la. You know, if you're their parent, you're listening to that one moment over, over and, and over. over again. The same way you would listen to like Kristen if you're Kristen's mom. So of course, I feel like I love that person. No, 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 no. Yeah. More than, more than you well, know, Jean I, that, that kid, This guy that was doing this little moment was so inspiring to me. And I thought, like, if he can do it, I can do it. And then I just was like, I'm moving to New York and I'm not going to medical school. And that was when, like, that phone call with your dad happened, which wasn't exactly. great. Which but was it, not great. It was not a great I day. I think that also um, he maybe took my car insurance away, like as, a, like, as, like, a penalty for that decision. And I remember that I had to, like, figure out my own car insurance. Right. That was, like, your first step toward adulthood. Yeah. And then I just sold my car at a CarMax. And I was Ooh, like— Well, you showed him. I did. He, I had, like, a fancy car. And I just went to—I pulled up to the lot at CarMax. And I was like, how much? And they're like, mm, $8,000. I was like, great. I'll take it. And I took that money and I flew to New York. Wow. So going back a little bit, you did grow up in Arkansas, right? I did, yeah. I was born there. Okay. So I'm always fascinated by this. When did you realize you sing better than other people? Well, my grandmother used to always tell me I had a terrible voice. So that was it. So that was it. I was like, I'll show you. (laughs) Granny. With your wigs. (laughs) She hey, was granny, in, and you grabbed her wig. She and was ran in away. like a singing group called Sweet Adelines, oh, and they nice. basically look like fifty drag queens, mm-hmm. that, like lashes, wigs, sequins, gowns to like sing like you know just some medleys. And uh, she used to tell me I had a terrible voice. Okay, so and, that uh, was the first. Like when so you my, look back, your first inspiration, the person who really made you feel like you got this, <clears> is was grandma. Yeah, telling me I don't. And then. That wasn't nice. No, it was. It actually is she funny? Was she funny? No, she was. She was dry. She was dry. She just passed away a couple years ago, but she was dry and and cold. Sorry, I love you. 
grandma. Um, but uh, that was my first, like, I, I remember singing as like a five, six, seven year old and her telling me that. And then cut to like, maybe I'm a senior and then I did musicals all 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. And I got asked to sing at our graduation, like baccalaureate ceremony. And, you know, you're supposed to sing something inspirational or something like, you know, like Wind Beneath My Wings or like God Bless America sure. if you're in the South, yeah. stuff like that. And I begged my choir director to let me sing A Whole New World from Aladdin because my pitch was there's a whole new world for us seniors. Yes. There's a whole new world out there. Magic carpet rides about like await all of us. Yes. And they let me and I got Jessica Hall to sing with me and we did a duet and that was Shout out to Jessica. Yep. And I think in that moment I was like, "Oh." Well, first of all, I'm sure you crushed it. Crushed it and I hope I think my mother has a videotape of that. Could you send that in sure. and we can just play a little clip? Yeah. Because that would be amazing. Actually, if you wouldn't mind transferring it onto some other format because I don't have a VHS player. <laughs> Who does? Um, and Your then, mom. And then Aladdin would come in back into my favor years later. I was um, – like one summer I wanted to do Six Flags over Texas and I auditioned and I remember I had – my voice teacher play the accompaniment to like, got to keep one jump ahead of the bread line, one swing ahead of the sword. I steal only what I can afford. That's everything, right? That little like, like rest, like little like patter song that he sings. And um, I had a tape and I had a boom box and I went to Six Flags and I had, I was smart enough. I don't know how I knew to do this to like have my piano, my voice teacher not play for like 15 seconds so that I could plug it in push play and then walk to the middle of the audition room and still have time before the accompaniment started. Right, right. And I got on the ground on all fours and I acted this out physically, like moving to move the sword and not get the sword. I mean, it was the worst audition ever in the history of Oh, we usually save that to the end of oh. the podcast, but that was it. That like, was it. <laughs> well, that was it. So anyway, Aladdin was has always been my friend. Like a little magic carpet taking you along in your own career. Yeah. But did you not get hired at Six Flags for no, that? No, I, I booked that job. Of course you did. Yeah. Just look at they're all like, the work you put They're into like, it. that kid had 15 seconds on. And look what he did. Yeah. Nice. So was that your first professional job? That was singer? my first paying job, yes. First professional job, Six Flags Over Texas. And I quit a little bit in to go do um, like a little mini tour of Cinderella and that I also, that I had booked around then and I had to quit Six Flags and the the entertainment director told me that I will never work in this industry again. Like that was like cliche, just like, you know, some guy in Texas saying you will never work in this, you know, in this industry. And did you believe him? No. You knew. I knew that that was like, that was like a mean thing to say. If I was in charge of Six Flags Entertainment, which I think it would be a great job, I would say, oh, you booked something better. Great. Thank I've you got, for your service. Yeah, and I've got like 50 kids that'll do this part. Not like you can. Not like you can. Not with but... your own boombox and like a <laughs> no. little carpet that you bring along that flies. But yes, in theory, there might be someone else who could step up. Yeah. Anyway. I'm so sorry that happened, but look at you. That was that. What doesn't that, kill us. That worked. Exactly. It makes us stronger. So then you did Cinderella. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, you're also taking... MCAT test prep. Yes. I'm no fun. Although fun, I mean, I love science. I'm a, I love, I'm a nerd. I, My I eye love... keeps itching. But you're saying it's not, there's nothing about <laughs> there's that not, sty. The sty cannot jump across the table. Okay. Should I put my sunglasses on? <laughs> no, should I? <laughs> Am I wearing glasses? You're, okay. you're good. You're okay. good. You're good. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I was taking a huge course load, you know, eight, you know, anatomy and physiology, you know, physics. So all too. the science, all yeah, the pre-med yeah, stuff. Totally. Yep. And uh, studying, like, I mean, uh, studying constantly, not sleeping, but it was great. I loved it. 
So after Cinderella, when did you actually, when was like the break? What were you doing when you decided, when you really made that call and you came to New York City, there's the London trip where you see third sword counter from the right who blows your mind and makes you realize I can do this. Yep. There's the stuff you're doing in Texas. Yep. There's the moment at Rikers. Mm-hmm. There's the Rockette. Yep. And then there's you. That so, sounds like a series that HBO would want to I, pick up. I totally just pitched it. Literally, Rikers Prison Lady, Rockette, Kid from Texas, The London Kid. Mm-hmm. Great. We have it all cast. G- and, G- and like some Jesus history. I feel like, I don't know, everyone's scared to do that. Right? Yeah. Like, don't shy away from the religious part. Like, bring that in. Let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah. I love that. You said that you right away got the fame tour. Did I you did. have an agent? Was that like an equity no, open I did not. call? Like yeah, it was an... an equity open call that I got up at like four. I was in Astoria, so I woke up. I wanted to be online like about five. So I like woke up at four, showered, um, left the Astoria at 4.30, got to, the, got to the Actors' Equity Building in Times Square around five o'clock. I was definitely like already like 20 or 30 kids deep to sign up for an EPA and like an equity open call. And I had, you know, I'd seen the breakdowns in Backstage Magazine and I saw that there was a role called Goody, which was like the sidekick who played an instrument and he could play trumpet or saxophone. And I played saxophone in high school. So I had a couple days later rented a saxophone from like Sam Ash here yeah. in Times Square also had practiced just reminding myself, like, oh, I got this. I showed up with my saxophone. I wanted to audition for the role of Goody. So I signed up for a time later on in that day to come back and audition once they opened the building. And I went in, and I uh, I brought my saxophone, and I sang a little musical theater song, and then I played my saxophone. And they said, give us a second. And they talked, and then they said, we would like for you to come back, but we want to not see you for this role. We want to see you for the lead role, Nick Piazza. And I was like, I'm not the lead. Like, I'm the sidekick and uh and i i came back uh, several times and for this other role ended up getting that part and then i had to call a friend who had an agent and say can i talk to your agent and i met with that agent who was michael hardig right and um who he's passed away now but he was my first agent in new york and um he looked over the contract and said i'm not going to take a commission but you should do this this and this i think he called on my behalf and then i went on the tour and then i he said and then we were in new jersey um, and he said, I'd like to come and see you. Um, maybe we can work together. And he said, but you have to get me a car service to pick me up and you have to pay for that. And so I was like, okay. So I paid for a car service to come and bring him from Manhattan to New Jersey and back, we rode back together. And in the car ba- ride back, he said, I mean, I was in the back of a limousine with a New York agent and right. he said, I want to sign you. And I thought, manna from heaven. I was just like, yes. And he was then your was, agent He was for my agent for like, you know, six, seven years. What do you think about that now, the car service part? Like that he asked that? Yeah. Um, I don't think I would do that if I was an agent. I think that was from probably a different era. That's fascinating because yeah. I've never heard of someone asking the kid in the tour to get a to car pay service. For their car yeah. service to New Jersey. But it sounds like it had, in the end, a happy ending. Yeah, it did. And so what happened after Fame? We finished that tour, and I was in, living in New York City with the Rockette, and... I got a call from my agent in the back, like the back of the limousine agent, yeah. who said, oh, "You have an audition for this um, show called The Full Monty, which is on Broadway, and they're going to do a tour." And this is so. This is like 2002, I think. Um, this is right after 9/11, and I went and saw the show on Broadway, and I loved it. In fact, that Me we too. need a revival of yeah. that show. And I, you know, through a series of auditions, ended up 
you know, getting that national tour. Um, I'm one of the lead guys. and that, That's exactly when I met you. That's exactly when you met, yes. we, we met, yes. Yes, because my friend Jeffrey Knopfs was in that show also, Who right? is now my husband. Yeah, That's... which is weird because I thought he was my husband. <laughs> <laughs> he was we like... need to have a conversation. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so how incredible. It was yeah, very that, exciting. That, that show changed my life in that it changed my personal life, mm-hmm. you know, and and my career, too, because that was like a big sh- fan. Fame was a great experience, but I don't think people were curious, like, who's in fame right yeah. now, you know, but but the Full Monty, um, sh- that, that, that big Broadway tour was, you know, really smacked with like a lot of talent and a lot of heat. Well, I remember that what, during your show, Mance, as they call it, mm-hmm. you you met Jeffrey Knopfs, and I was doing a play at the same time where I met my husband. And at the time when you meet these people and fall in love in a work environment, it's really doubtful that that's going to last past oh, the job, right? Like totally. it's really impossible to to imagine that. So the fact that all these years later, that's incredible. It's that's incredible. absolutely incredible. It's incredible. It's like, you know, it just happened. And now we have dogs. Dogs. With these people? Yes. I mean, forget, yeah. you know, the rest of it. So I know that one of the shows that was sort of really seminal for a lot of people who came to New York was Rent. Like, uh, whether they saw it a million times, listened to it a million times, if they weren't in New York yet. So what was Rent for you? And then how did you end up getting in it? Right. And um, when that collision happened, how was your mind not completely blown? I remember the the rent tour came through Dallas and I saw it. Um, so you were still in college at the time? or Yeah, or yeah. maybe even like, yeah, Younger. I was in high school. Uh, well, okay. I was in high school when rent came out. But um, when I saw this tour, I'm now in college and maybe I'm like 18. And I said to my my best friend uh, at the time, Jenny Reynolds, um, who's still one of my best friends, I said to her, I'm going to play Mark on Broadway. Like, I just said I that. I love that sweater. The scarf and that sweater are it. meant to be on my body. That's right. I remember, like, you know, and I don't I don't think it's, like, I, I mean, maybe it was, like, 99% arrogance or maybe it was just, like, I'm going to believe this dream and I'm just going to say it out loud. Yeah. This is way before the secret or, like, you know, saying what you want in life. Right. But, Celestine prophecy and all that Exactly. Stuff. So yeah. the, the tour came through and I remember being one of those rent heads that, like, got one of those $25 tickets. I was on the second row. And there was something in the show that made me laugh. Um, that was so funny that some of them, like on, the ensemble were doing in this one moment. And what the person sitting in front of me turned around and said, you're disrespecting this piece. It's not funny. And she was a fellow rent head who mm. was very serious. Yeah, yeah. And cut to like six or seven years later when I booked the show on Broadway, I always in my mind thought, I wish that girl mm-hmm. that had turned around to say I disrespected the show, A, understood that Jonathan Larson wrote a not only a gorgeous, beautiful show, but also like there's humor in that show Absolutely. too. And you can't have tragedy without right. without, without right. breaking it, it up with balance. Comedy. Yeah. yeah. And I wish that A, she knew that, period. And B, I wish that she saw that I was playing Mark on Broadway. I just, right. you know, there's like a little bit of like, uh Just desserts. Well, guess what? I'm sure she's listening right now. And if you are, just send us an email. Call in. Yeah. Tell yeah. us like how ashamed how... you feel now. <laughs> so when I... Moved to New York, and now the Full Monty tour is over, and wh- I got this audition for Rent on Broadway. I just was like, I can't believe this. Yeah. And then when I got it, I cried. Mm-hmm. And then still to this day, I will walk through Times Square, and I'll have a moment where I'll think, wow, I played, I was in Rent on Broadway, and I'll, like, tear up. I still can't believe that I got to do that. So did your dad come see you in that show? <sighs> no. 
He didn't. No, that's a hot button topic. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's why we're here. <laughs> Do I pay you $120 and then did you give me a receipt to give my insurance? <laughs> you know what? I am I am completely out of network. <laughs> so no. Um, my siblings, um, my dad very sweetly flew my siblings up to see the show. And um, because I'm one of five, I'm the oldest of five. Tell me the age difference. There's a big age difference because um, my because I have two moms my mother and father had me and then my parents divorced and then my dad remarried and had four kids okay. with my stepmother but I, I was raised in that family so and I'm how the, many years before the first of that set of children were born so, uh, how there's, old were you? there's ten there, I was about eight or nine years old so there's like a big difference and then my sister right now my youngest sister she's the youngest and the last one she is a freshman in college wow so there's like a hundred thousand years between us right but I still feel like a big brother I don't feel like a parent it's nice yeah anyway, but they came, but my dad didn't come to see the show. It's too risky, too risque, too... The content of that show. Yeah, yeah. Drugs, AIDS, prostitution, you know, poverty. You know, I think that's... A, those are like... He was uncomfortable with that. I think so, yeah. And would you say that as you've been doing this longer and longer, has your family gotten more comfortable with you being a part of these different things? Or generally, does their faith sort of allow them a, a certain opinion about things and they know you're going to do it, but they don't have to watch it. Is that I think sort that's of the, the, I think it's the last. The don't ask, don't tell sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's, we love you. We're so proud of you. Wow. You've done amazing things. And um, along with like, we'll see that, but we don't want, we don't have to see that, but we love that you're being successful and doing great things. All right. So that's the happy compromise for you. Yeah. Family. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if when it's happy When we edit, for me. it'll just say compromise. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say happy? Everything's okay. No, it's not. Everything's okay. No, it's just the way that it is. Yeah. I will oftentimes, when I'm opening a Broadway show or at an opening night party or seeing or going to an opening night party that I'm not in and seeing everyone's parents there, mm-hmm. I'm jealous of that. Of course. Yeah, I don't have that. You know, I just saw Sunday in the Park with George, and that is um, a show that's Sunday sort of- in the Park with Georgia. My daughter- is now starring in it. She could. Let's she could. be honest. She Let's could. Let's all be honest. She's going to have ridiculous. a recording career, and yes. I hope I ride the coattails. I do too. I think that that show is all about sort of the the beauty of art and the torment of art and the choices we make to pursue our art. And there are compromises some people can make and some people can't. In that show, he compromises big time, right? Like yeah. he gives up having uh, a love. Yep. A certain kind of love and a consistent love with with her because he he's obsessed with his work. There's also something about coming to New York, right? Like you're leaving already, you're leaving your family and you're leaving what's familiar to pursue this dream, which is both sometimes the most liberating thing or painful, depending yeah. on what your family relationships are. But we make really big choices, and it sounds like for you there were tremendous choices to be made in pursuing something that was so outside the emotional comfort zone of your family. For sure, yeah. You know, people say, like, live your, you know, live your truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you do that, you'll be happy, you'll be authentic. And I think that if I had not pursued this dream and I had done something else like medical school for my family and for stability and for the right thing, I think that there would be, I think I would not be as happy. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, although... Maybe, I would be rich. Yeah. Maybe... And maybe, I would, and I, but I w- maybe wouldn't be happy. But you're a big spender. Hey, big spender. 
<laughs> so, you know. So I would be broke, really. I would be I would be in I would be in debt. Listen, the thing that listeners might not know is you have incredibly beautiful taste and and high standards and you you prefer quality. I sure do. Yeah. So there you have it. So there have been kind of a bunch of career highs since then, Rent being one of them. Yes. I saw you in Hair in Shakespeare in the Park. That was an extraordinary experience. I think that was the most amazing theatrical experience I've ever been in. If I had to look at it like collective, like as a whole, like just outside magic that was like right at the election. We had not elected President Obama yet. I think it was just like so political and fiery and sexy and... Yeah, that was a thrilling. And one of those moments where like Shakespeare in the Park, like there yeah, are all these iconic things, right? Yeah. Like that yeah. you sort of. So then after you did Hair, then you did How to Succeed in Business. Yes. I, when I was doing Hair in the Park, I signed with some agents in L.A., they sent, did they ask you to like, They said, give me listen, a car service. No, they were like, you send a plane. <laughs> send a private jet yes. from Los Angeles to LaGuardia yes. and we will meet you and see you in hair. Absolutely. Uh, I signed with, um, I signed with an, um, some new agents in LA. And so I went out to do pilot season right after hair and I booked my first TV series. Oh. So that's what I was doing right after hair. And what was that? That was Three Rivers? Three Rivers on, um, on CBS. And that must've been unbelievably exciting. Oh. My gosh, I didn't. I, I, I didn't even. I, I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm always like stage left, camera left. I'm not sure. Well, where's my sty? Okay, the sty <laughs> the is, on, sty the is left. on the left. So turn to the right. Yeah, got it. I, 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 I yeah. I, I, after a series of like thousands of what seemed like thousands of auditions, I ended up on this TV show and it got picked up and I didn't get fired and it was. So when incredible. you auditioned for that one, which you did get, versus all the pilot auditions or television shows you, you had auditioned for, did you feel different? Do you know why you got that one and not the other ones, or does it feel as random as anything it else? It feels random. I do think that there's like a, there is like a heat on an actor or like momentum that is either verbal or, or nonverbal. That's like I'm, I have a confident – I'm coming off of doing this really great show, and yeah. I just got these new agents, and I'm new yeah. in town. And like I think it's like uh, – there's like the way I carry myself or my confidence or might – you know, I think that all subliminally affects – one's audition and, and then the randomness and like how how is he too tall does he look like that character this character was going to be you know what's funny about that show is that that role when i went to my first audition it was all ethnic boys mm-hmm. and i was like oh god i am right. never I'm going out. to get this yeah. ever and i had a great audition and then what i didn't know behind the scenes was that they were changing that one of the female characters to be african-american right. which then changed this character so you know it's it's that's so random but it opened up the possibility of yeah. you getting it yeah so you were honest to say earlier that you were married to a man. Yeah. And I would imagine that wasn't something that you promoted as an actor. Was there a moment where you were like, I'm established enough. This is who I am. I'm married to this person. Do you still struggle with that? Yeah. You know, I think that there will always be a uh, um, a DNA that gets woven into your psyche from a very fundamentalist Christian Southern home that one, I think even after like tons of therapy and like, and this podcast and this podcast could help can, un, can like unravel, but there's going to still be traces of like, Oh God, I'm still disappointing my father mm-hmm. or moments like that. But at first for sure, there was like, I mean, I was never uh, closeted with my friends, but like, it's not something I would have been like, yeah, New York times, let's do a big front page article about it. So when did that change? When the New York Times did a big front page article. <laughs> I mean, other than that. Um, 
still waiting New York Times for that. <laughs> no, just, you just you uh, just didn't get the paper that day. <laughs> I just think there's like a fuck it. You know, like I got to like, like I said before, like you got to be authentic and live your truth. And if you're not doing that, then you're not right. happy. And just like constant living in like slightly denial or lying about not telling the whole story. So I don't, I think it just like evolved. I don't think there was a moment or right. like a time that. That, that you decided, yeah. I'm, I'm out now. Yeah. In fact, this <laughs> podcast is <laughs> like the me. moment, actually. Wow. I'm gay, Alana. That's, ex- that's <laughs> disappointing for me, but I'm happy for you. Yeah, I think it just evolved. I don't know. And then, like, it was a, the career, you know, became really, I mean, the, the, you have to hand it to these celebrities who have come out and have made it okay. Do you feel like there were people, like, particular people who were role models for you or inspired you? Well, I think you. that Neil Patrick Harris, I think seeing him grow up in this business, which is also a whole other thing, right. and then be able to say like, yeah, I'm gay. And also I can be on network television playing a heterose- very heterosexual, douchey character. Yep. I think that was like, well, right. You know, I'm gay and I'm super talented. Yeah, exactly. And I can play whatever role. Yeah. So funny, my son, Caleb's been watching Neil's, t- I Hedwig. think it's 2009. Well, of course, Hedwig, that's on a loop at our yeah. house. <laughs> <laughs> but his Tony opening that he did is that 2009? I don't remember what year, but no, Neil Patrick I think it's Harris a little, does. maybe a little after that, 2010, maybe, maybe it's 2009 actually, because I was there. You were there. That I was night? there. Yeah, I was there because I I was on a CBS television show, and, and so it was I had on been, CBS, and I had been asked to come and now sit in like the audience as like a TV person. Well, that is an extraordinary. If anyone has the hasn't last seen it, time that happened, just, no, it, it's great. He's yeah, it's amazing. That what was he does. one of the most amazing things, and so we have been watching it because it's just such incredible fun to is watch. Is that the him. one where he's not? It's not just gay, and that one where he no, he's or, like he basically does a little bit from every single show oh, that yes. goes on, and then he's in Pippin, and there's this magic trick, and suddenly he re-enters from the back of the theater yep. and down the yep. thing, and you're literally like, and by the way. Not even really out of breath. Yeah. Like he yeah. literally does the most crazy cardio and yeah. he's in great voice and he's just crushing it. He's phenomenal. Yeah. If I could have a career, I would want maybe want that one. Yeah. I would too. Yeah. He gets to do everything. Hosting, magic, Kelly, live with Kelly, you know, Broadway musicals, yeah. television Lemony shows. Lemony Snicket. Movies. I know. I know. Gone Girl. Neil, if you're listening, we're really we're, proud we're, of you. We're really proud of you. We think you did we a did great, great thing. did a great, great thing. Yes, and my son and I went to see uh, Moana, the, you know, Is premiere. he in there? No, but he was there with his husband and kids. Okay. And for my little boy, for Caleb, he was like, is that a family? And I was like, yeah, that's a family. Yeah. That's Neil Patrick Harris and his husband. That's his child. And they're at a movie. And we're a family, and they're a family, and, like, that's family. And those are really powerful moments. Yeah, to- he will never forget that. Yeah. So he lives with them now. Because <laughs> that's, that's a better that's family. That's a better family, sure. Well, there's there's a, there's a lots of fanciness in that family. Because we were getting into the subway, and they had, like, this Good really car. nice black car waiting after. And he's know. like, I'm going to go to this family. I think that family seems amazing, <laughs> and you've been great, and thank you for getting me to 10. You have been awesome. That's well, hilarious. I do feel lucky that I have kids growing up in this community, um, not just because oh, yeah. they have, you know, cars picking them up outside of the movie theater, but because they're just the greatest role models in the world and following, you know, their passion. And I guess what I was going to say is that Neil does have this bit at the end of that song where he's like basically talking about how, you know, because people are watching it, dreaming of being 
in the tone, you know, in this world one day, and we were that kid. Oh yeah, I, my first Tonys I saw was was Rent uh, was in 1994. I remember seeing Rent up there. Yeah. Perform. And I dreamed like, oh my god, I want to do that. Yeah. And you did the same thing. When, when was your first Tony Awards that you televised that you can remember? I think it was. Uh, boy, they were still in black and white. No. <laughs> But for me, you know, getting to perform on the Tonys with Charlie Brown, you know, there are those very surreal moments. Like when you were talking about being in Rent. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry. This is You're like, I'm ridiculous. in a Broadway musical this performing at the Tony Awards? Yes. It's ridiculous. And it's really as thrilling as you imagine, if not more so. And just thinking about how it's such a celebration of getting to be who you are. And it's why we all come here, and it's why we all keep doing it. Yes. So now you get to be um, again on a TV show, mm-hmm. and Odd Mom Out is hilarious. So funny. I have nothing to do with it. It's hilarious right. writing. You just help make if it funny don't, by being there. If you there. do not know the show, you must look it up. It's very, very funny. It shoots in New York. So I just want to say for a minute that when I started this podcast and – you know, I knew my mom would listen. Um, one of the actually, I had to show her like this is this iTunes, is ha- yep, and you click yep, here. And, yep. Oh, forget it. So you know, I'm going to ask you this because I ask everyone. Great. Can you think of yes. something that's maybe funny now, wasn't so funny at the time, an audition that haunts you to this day, both because of its wonderful outcome or it was the moment where you thought maybe medical school is back? How I booked the full Monty actually is yes. my story. So I. There was a old, there was a there's a studio called Seventy Second Street Studios. Do you remember that on Seventy Second Street, like in Broadway? You don't remember? No, no. You've been in ten thousand you know Broadway what? shows. I've How done have you not... improv, and you know what I know? Yes, and yes, and yes, yes. And I do that on Seventy Second Street. Yes. Yeah. So I went in for the um, the Full Monty audition, and you know I was auditioning for the role of um, Ethan Gerard, who. Um, is obsessed with the movie Singing in the Rain and Donald O'Connor and how he runs up the walls. Yes, and flips which I over. remember you did over and over again, magnificently. In the show, and uh, great blocking, Jerry Mitchell, Jack O'Brien creating that it was genius. And so I thought in the audition that was the side, the the scene they gave me, and I thought, well, I'm, I mean, I have to run up the wall in the audition, like. And so I got a student, I practiced oh going up the wall and, fl- and flipping over. But he's bad at it, so it didn't have to be good. It just needed to like go for it. So I'm in 72nd Century Studios, which was built in like 1870. So you would think I would have been there. <laughs> the black and white, that's where the black and white Tonys rehearsed. Yes. Weren't you there? Yes. Yeah. It was called something else back uh, then. <laughs> the Silent Theater Awards. Um, you look great, by the way. Thank you, honey. Um, so got to the part where I ran up the wall and I went to run up the wall and my feet went through the sheetrock. Um, this building was so old and my feet went to the sheetrock and I got stuck in the wall. <laughs> And I, like, was stuck in a weird position where, like, I sat back, but I didn't go to the floor, but I could sit. <laughs> like, I was in the wall, but like I could sit. if it were a mannequin challenge, yeah. you would literally be, like, floating in midair. Yes. Like, I was, like... I got it. And the visual I, is clear. I was, like, looking at the wall, and I just turned. I had the next line in the scene with the scene bar, and I just played the rest of the scene in the wall. Like, stuck in midair <laughs> yes. with your feet in the wall. Yes. Like an invisible chair under you. Yes, yes. And I played the scene without, like... I was like, that's not it. This didn't happen. And I just played the rest of the scene, and that's why I got that job. That's why I got that job. Ladies and gentlemen, the Tony goes to (laughs) the wall. The wall. That is the magic wall. Unbelievable. Crazy. And then then, when the scene is done, like you're like, I'm sorry, could somebody. I I crawled. I had to crawl out. They came over. The casting was like, you know, 
I think I had I called I called Michael Hart Michael Hardig my limousine my back of the limousine <laughs> agent and I said driver. I got my driver and I said I should pay for that right and or so, do I go in again like do, how do I make this we, right? I offered to pay for it <laughs> and I think that they were like well what's gonna happen is we're gonna cast you and we'll deduct the per diem we'll, we'll deduct the, the per wall. diem out of your salary oh. My God. Oh, my God. You got it. I got that role. So crazy. All right, dude, that's a really crazy thing, and it's the best visual ever. And we're going to have to do, like, a little YouTube thing we post of you reenacting that. Yeah. that's amazing. All right, this is going to remain forever. Anonymous. Uh, <laughs> this will never air. air. <laughs> this is not. This will this not air. This like, is just a thank every you. Every once in a while, I like to practice. <laughs> um. I can't thank you enough. I thank love you. you so much. I, I love hope people listen to this. Everything about you. Well, here's what we know. You will. <laughs> I will. My mother will. My father probably won't because no. he doesn't get to see me in shows. No. Caleb will. My son will. And also, luckily, you have five siblings. Yeah. So, so they'll, that. They'll, they'll listen to it. And your dog and your husband. Yeah. A you few know what? people. Everyone's going to listen to it because you're amazing and everybody loves you. You're beloved, Christopher Henke. Thank so you. Thank you for coming on my show. Thank you for having me. This was very fun. All right, let's get that eye looked at, shall we? Okay. Clouds can make the wind blow. Bugs can make the grass grow. So there you go. These are little known facts that you You know. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says Contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast. And on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. This episode was brought to you by Pro Media. Located in Times Square, Pro Media offers both production and post production services out of its beautiful studios in the heart of New York City. Pro Media Sound Vision. Find out more at promedia.nyc.